at least a couple years. And um, this pastor, he's a pastor in Stockton. He's one of the pastors that I can relate to the most. Almost, I don't think there's another pastor I can relate to more than this pastor. And he's become such a good friend because of that. And one of the first reasons is his story is that when he started pastoring, he took over a group of about 20 people, I believe. But group, a small group, I think he said his first message was to 17 people. And they spoke Spanish. And he didn't. He didn't speak Spanish. And how many of you know that's kind of familiar with Adam up here? I can relate to that. I can relate to that. He ended up, that was his first pastorate, and he's still there. That 17 people he preached to now is about 700 in Stockton, California. He preaches with a, with a translator, with an interpreter. Um, his church has been a model for us. We've taken people to visit his student ministry from the kids to the college age. It's, a, it's the best we've ever seen. It's amazing. It's incredible. Those students are taught to love the Lord and to love the house of the Lord. That makes sense, right? You love the Lord, you're going to love the house of the Lord. They're, they're really taught that and their leaders are examples of that. Those students get there during the week. I've been there. They arrive at like 5, 5.30 to start setting up, getting prepared for the service. They pray for the service. I mean, they are involved. They're in, during the week, they are involved. They're meeting in small groups. They're inviting their friends. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible student ministry. And uh, fortunately, uh, Pastor Shivers, he's the one that will be preaching the word of God today. He told me, if you, if you get Brother Jacob to help you build a student ministry in your church, he's the best that I've ever met. And several pastors have told me that. And the good news is, Brother Jacob is now helping the Union City Apostolic Church and will be continuing to help us build a student ministry with a model right there in Stockton. It's, a, it's an incredible, incredible thing. So I, it's just an honor for me to have Pastor Shivers here preach. He preached to our Spanish church this morning, and it was incredible. But just, the, just that I can relate to this pastor in so many ways, it, it's just, I, I can't think of another one. I can't think of another one like that. So I had you sit down for a couple minutes to rest your legs. But let's all stand. We're going to receive the man of God. This is a great man of God that God has used mightily in the city of Stockton, California to preach the word to the Union City Apostolic Church. Pastor Jonathan Shivers from Stockton, California. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I appreciate that. It is an honor uh, for me personally to be at Union City Apostolic Church. I've uh, followed this church most of my ministry. I have, uh, it's a landmark among the apostolic faith, and I am honored to be here. It's good to see Bishop here. You are loved by our family. I want you to know that. My father-in-law would speak often of you, and uh, it's good to have you in service with us. Brother Aaron, you did a wonderful job leading us in worship and the rest of this wonderful choir and praise team and musicians. You are a blessed church. You are a blessed church. Yeah, you need to show that. 
see, you have grown so accustomed to having good worship, skillful musicians, and anointed singers that you forgot what it's like when you did not have those things. When we started pastoring, we had one guitar, one string was missing, and we had two microphones, one was broken, and uh, we had church. And uh, we only knew about two chords, and we were so happy when we got another musician who knew four chords. And uh, those were the early days. And when I walk into this building and I see this beautiful sanctuary and this wonderful crowd, uh, you've forgotten what, what it was like when there wasn't a big crowd. When you were in a house someplace. What was that, about 40 years ago? God's been good to you. I said, God's been good to you. You're blessed. Never despise the day of small things. And always be grateful for everything that God has blessed your life with. Because there is a scripture that we don't often like to quote, but it is a very biblical scripture. It says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've, you've been on the receiving end for far too many years, but God knows how to humble his children. God knows how to correct his children. And I've been in several times in my life where God has brought his hand of correction. And when he brought that hand of correction, it wasn't nice for a moment, but hopefully it worked a far exceeding great reward in my life. I really feel directed of the Spirit um, this morning to minister to you as a pastor would minister to his saints. I feel very comfortable in the role of a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I, um, my father-in-law, uh, Bishop Haney, when my wife and I first graduated Bible college, he insisted that we go out and evangelize. That's just what you did. Everybody has to evangelize. And he would not allow us to go to one church that had more than 20 members. So my wife and I loaded our little Toyota Camry and all of the clothes that we had and the books that my mother-in-law had written, and we were full-time evangelists. We were going to hit the trail. I hated it. I hated every day. I cried unto the Lord. I was in my purgatory. Um, we would go into churches, and I would want to make sure the bathrooms were clean. I wanted to make sure that the lights were working. I wanted to make sure that everybody was showing up to church. I wanted to make sure that the Sunday school classrooms were occupied and attended. Just the heart of a, what pastors do. See, the evangelists, they get to come and preach and leave. The pastors, we have to pick up the remnant. Amen? Amen. So if you don't mind, can I pastor this morning? Amen. I will... I will honor and respect this pulpit for its heritage, and I will not say anything that will cross, in my opinion, the belief structure of your pastor, your bishop, but this is what the Lord has laid on my heart. Is our custom to stand at the reading of God's Word? Would you be so kind as to stand as we get ready to go into the Word of the Lord? And I'm making a slight change to the projector guys we're going to follow that entire order but I'm going to begin in the book of Ephesians chapter number four and I will give you a few moments to get there Ephesians chapter number four the Lord uh, laid a several scriptures in the book of Ephesians on my heart to coincide with what the Lord had given me 
We're going to begin reading with verse number 11 of the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 11, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints. Everybody say the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Everybody say the work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. Now drop down to verse 17. Read with me. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But notice what verse 20 says, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everybody say renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. I know we have lengthy reading, but I promise I won't go past 3.30. Um, just kidding. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. I am cognizant of the time. I want to be able to be invited back again to clean your bathrooms. And... Um, wash your windows so I will be very cognizant but I cannot see that clock there so do me a favor if I go past 1240 somebody just start waving their hands is that okay second Corinthians chapter number 10 beginning with verse number four for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And by the help of the living God this Sunday morning, I'm going to preach to you about strongholds in your life. Strongholds in your life. You can put your Bible down if you will lift your voice one more time and pray with me. I would appreciate it. Father, we are so grateful for your presence that we have felt thus far in this service. And Father, we recognize that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. So Father, I pray today that you would open the eyes of your children to see, open the ears of your children to hear. But most importantly, Father, open the hearts of your children to receive what it is the Spirit would say to the church. And when we close the building doors and when we leave this place, may we leave changed from the way in which we entered. 
And we will give you all praise and all honor and all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord one hand clap of praise. It is amazing how easily we become influenced by the things of this world. Influenced by things that in reality are very carnal in nature. And yet still we allow those things to influence us. I'm talking about strongholds that we have allowed to come into our minds and we have become hostages to the emotions and the behaviors in our lives that are honestly quite contrary to the Spirit of God. We have emotional strongholds in our lives such as fear. Anybody here have fear? Be honest, fear. Doubt, confusion, anger, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, and the like. All of us have struggled at times in our walk with God with any one of these strongholds or emotions. Maybe right now some of you are presently struggling with one of these emotional strongholds. But even though we have emotional strongholds, there are also behavioral strongholds in our lives, such as alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual immorality, perversion, and the like. All of these behaviors, according to Scripture, are sin. So let's just be honest. They're sin. Fear is sin. Anger is sin. Immorality is sin. Alcoholism is sin. Drug addiction is sin. Jealousy is, you got it, resentment is, bitterness is. You have to call it what it is if you have any hope of ever changing in that particular stronghold in your life. And we are so good in church today, we try to brush over all of these things and we call them lifestyle choices or we call them struggles of life, but the reality is they're sin. They're sin. And my assignment from the Holy Ghost on this Sunday is to talk about the strongholds in our life and how you and I can tear down these strongholds in our lives so that we can become victorious in the one who saved us and gave his life for us. What is a stronghold? We hear it preached time and time again, but really, honestly, what is a stronghold? A stronghold begins first in the mind. It's a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable, even though we know it's against the will of God. We've just come to accept the fact that we can be angry. We've come to accept the reality that fear will be present in our life. We've just come to accept that I'm going to be a jealous wife or I'm going to be a jealous husband. That's just the way God made me. That's a lie. It's a lie. And we have come to accept these forms of sinful behavior as acceptable in the life of a child of God. And I say, God forbid. For if any man be in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are to become new. In other words, there is a change that must take place in the life of every man or woman, young or old, white or black, brown or yellow, who give their life to God. 
Now, we pride ourselves as apostolic Pentecostal people because we claim to have the truth. I get so tired of hearing people say, well, bless God, we have the truth, because my response is always, how has that truth changed your life? It's one thing to know truth. It's a second thing to have truth. Truth that doesn't transform your life is simply a fable. The truth that transforms your life is the power of God unto salvation. See, all of us have allowed strongholds into our lives and they begin to deal with our life and our behaviors and our emotions, but they always begin in the mind. Our thoughts, the way we reason, the way we respond to situations, how we look at life. All of these things are part of the mind of an individual. Our sinful nature that is present within each of us, that sinful nature that has been passed down from generation to generation all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve in the garden. All of us suffer from what we call the iniquities of generations past. That sinful nature that gets a hold of our spirit and it affects the way that we think. It affects the way that we walk. It affects the way that we talk. And it also affects the way that we respond. I was sitting over there on the front row and I was uh, just praying and I was watching through the audience seeing how men and women were responding to the worship, responding to the praise, responding to the singing. And you could just about read the spirit of everybody in the house of God based on their responding or their response to the word of God and the praising of God and the worship of God. See, the sinful nature of humanity affects the way we think and it also affects the way we respond. And you add to that the iniquities that you and I have inherited from our parents. Let's just be honest. We have inherited from our parents. Good and bad, we have inherited from our parents. We just didn't inherit houses and land. We just didn't inherit friends and family, but we inherited emotional strongholds. We inherited fears. We inherited angers. We inherited things from our parents. Good and bad, we are the sum total of what we have inherited from the generations past. And we've got these iniquities, these mindsets that we have inherited in our mind that, that, that can control us if we allow them to control us. One of the greatest things that um, I have come to understand in the city in which I pastor. See, I still believe we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I, and I recognize that. So one of the first things that I had to do as a shepherd, as a pastor, as I made my way into the city of Stockton, I wanted to know what were the strongholds in our city. What was the spirit that was binding the, the mindset of the people in the city of Stockton? I, I wanted to know who the principalities were in the city in which I was called to shepherd, or really not called, I was sent. I was sent. April of 1996, my bishop said, I want you to go there and preach, and it's been 20 years, and he never told me to leave. I have all these friends who've had these wonderful theophanies of God coming down like angels and saying, thus saith the Lord, you're going to go here or there. That never happened to me. I just followed the bishop. 
He said, go there. I went there, and I've stayed there because he never told me to leave. It's 20 years. 20 years. You can't build anything of eternal value by moving around anyway. Just, just think about that. But I, I needed to identify what it was in, in our particular city, what stronghold were getting a hold of the people. And one of the first things that the Lord began to identify to me that was a stronghold in the city in which I pastor was what we call a spirit of poverty. Spirit of poverty. Spirit of poverty. There, there was a mindset that had been established in the hearts and the minds of those great people, those precious people that God had sent me to serve, those 17 adults, those, those elders that had been through all types of hell and yet they were still together. They, they had gone through multiple pastors. They had struggled. They had suffered. And, and now they're here and, 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 and they're battling and, and, and they're struggling. And, and one of the first things the Lord revealed to me is there is a spirit of poverty. It's a mindset that says you can't be blessed. It's a mindset that says you can't overcome. It's a mindset that said you're your children will never be saved. You'll never go anywhere in life. You'll never exceed. You'll never own a home. You'll never have the blessings of God. So we begin to pray against those mindsets. We begin to pray against those way of thinking. We begin to take authority and dominion over that mindset. And Because I believe if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation and that all things are passed away and behold, all things do become new. I do believe that Jesus Christ came to give us life and give us life in abundance. I do believe the Lord wants to bless us and to heal us and to deliver us and to give us the things and the desires of our heart see it doesn't matter where you have come from it doesn't matter where you have been it doesn't even matter where you are presently but it does matter where you're going it does matter the direction in your life it doesn't matter it does matter what you're doing and it all begins with the mindset. It begins with how you look at life, how you look at God, how, how, how you evaluate things. The strongholds. So you have come to accept that the place you are at presently is where you're going to be forever. And I rebuke that mindset. I rebuke that spirit. That's not the God we serve. God has come to give you life and life in abundance. God has come to lift you up. God has come to bless you and to heal you and to prosper you with every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. God didn't save you just so you can exist. God saved you so that you can live a life of abundance, a life of peace, a life of hope, a life of prosperity. But it all begins in the mind. All begins in the mind. It all begins in the mind. You cannot accept as normal where you are Presently, You see, God died for us so that we can walk in complete victory. Whom the Son of God is set free, the Bible says, is free indeed. Free indeed. So, so what do we need to do to bring down these strongholds, these mindsets, these iniquities that we have? What, what is something that we need to do? Well, uh, Ephesians 2 and 6 says that we have been raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places 
in Christ Jesus. What was it that the Apostle Paul was telling the Ephesian church about these heavenly places? Here is what he was saying. You've got to establish in your mind who you are in Christ. One of the first things you need to understand, you're a child of God. You have been born again of the water and of the spirit. You are no longer a child of the devil. You are no longer a child of the enemy of God, but you're a child of God. You are an heir and a joint heir with God in heaven, and he has come to bless you, and he has come to heal you, and he has come to lift you up and to strengthen you and to give you victory in your life. That's why John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. The reason I came was to give you life. The reason I died at Calvary was to bless your life and to heal your life and to lift you up. That's the reason I died. That's the reason I shed my blood. That's the reason I walked up Galgotha's hill. That's the reason I suffered. It's so you could have life and life in abundance. So you could be blessed. So you could be the head and not the tail. You could be the first and not the last. God has blessed you. God has healed you. God has saved you. God has delivered you. Thank God for the blood. 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 You're not hearing me. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. As the writer of Hebrews said, we're for also seeing we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. He said, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us and he says let us run with patience the race that is now set before us then he says looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross he despised the shame and he's now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God but then the writer of Hebrews concludes by saying well consider him In other words, think about him which endured such contradiction of sinners against himself unless you become weary and you faint in your mind. What the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell you, God has given you the victory. It's nothing you have done. It's everything he has done. It's nothing you deserve. It's his free gift of grace. It's his free gift of mercy that he has given you to walk in heavenly places, to live an overcoming life, to have victory. You don't have to fear. You don't have to live with jealousy. You don't have to have anger in your life. You don't have to live in poverty. You don't have to live with a lost husband. You don't have to live with a lost wife. Your children are not going to hell. They're going to heaven by the power of the Holy Ghost because greater is he that is living in you than he that is in the world. You've got to stand up and say, I'm a child of the king. I am an heir of salvation. I'm a child of God. I have walked on heavenly places. I've got power over the enemy. I've got power over every unclean spirit. I've got power over over demonic spirit. I am a child of God. I am filled with the spirit of God. I've been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. 
for the remission of my sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You better know who you are in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a child of the king. Come on, I'm a child of the king. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Somebody's going to get the victory today. Somebody's going to be set free today. Somebody's going to walk in heavenly places today. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Not only must you know who you are in Christ, you must also know the provision that he has placed in your hand. It's not enough just to know who you are, but you also need to know what God has given you. Do you realize you have the Spirit of God living in you, the earnest of your inheritance? The power of God is available for you. You can call down the angels of heaven. You can call upon the name of the Lord. God will work for His children. When you have a need, God is there. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, my strength, is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, I'm going to be strong. When you're in need, I'm going to provide. When you are down, I'm going to lift you up. My grace is sufficient in you. My grace is sufficient in you. My grace is sufficient in you. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, <laughs> for when I am weak, no, you don't, for when I am weak, then I am made strong. Hey, it's when I get to a place where I say, God, I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. It's not within me anymore. I need you, God. That's when God said, that's right where you need to be. I'm going to start working on your behalf. I'm going to start moving on your behalf. I'm going to begin to bless. I'm going to begin to heal. I'm going to begin to move some things in your life. One of the greatest obstacles from knowing who you are in Christ is your own pride. 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 It's of the devil. Some of you are so full. Oh, I'm going to pastor now. I feel my... Some of you are so full of pride that God can't touch you. Some of you are so full of pride and arrogance that God can't move in your life. You refuse to humble yourself before God. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry? When's the last time you acknowledged, I'm guilty, I'm the one, I've made the mistake. God, I need your help. God, forgive me. Pastor, forgive me. You may not like your pastor, but you need your pastor. I'm just going to make a statement bold, and I say to my people, you need a pastor. You can't be saved without a pastor. Ooh, that's okay. I'll say you can't be saved without a pastor. 
You need a pastor. Somebody needs to bring correction in your life. Somebody needs to be able to say, you're the man. Somebody needs to be able to say, you need to change. Thank God for my pastor. Let me tell you, Bishop Haney, you like that guy. He wasn't always kind. He knew how to call me up and say, John, I don't like what you're doing. Change. John, I don't like the direction you're going. It's time to change. And I would just say, yes, sir. I learned. Don't cross the man of God. He's been anointed by God. He's been sent by God. I may not like it, but that's the shepherd God placed over my life, and I'm going to submit my life and my ministry to him. And let me tell you, I've been blessed because of it. I've been blessed because of it. Because that man of God spoke into my life. He prayed for me. He fasted for me. He anointed me. He covered me with his blessings. He covered me with his anointing. Don't let pride hinder you from becoming what God has called you to do. Don't let pride hinder you from breaking the strongholds in your life. You've got to humble yourself in the presence of God. You've got to trust Him with all of your needs. Then you can break every stronghold in your life. See, when you swallow your pride and recognize that you are the source of your own problems and stop blaming everybody else, that's the beginning of wisdom. You got to stop blaming everybody else. Maybe you're the man, maybe you're the problem. See, when you humble yourself before God, God will begin to pour out His grace over your life and He will do things in your life that you had never imagined. The two components of submission is surrender and commitment. You submit to God, you surrender, and you commit to Him. He'll change your life. See, we got to become, we got to stop becoming so self-sufficient, and we must become God-sufficient. We got to recognize that we can do nothing without Him. Without Him, we can do nothing. Now, I'm going to say something. It may offend some of you, but I don't. I have a church that loves me. I think. They love my wife. That's all that matters. She really pastors those people anyway. People say, are you worried when you're away from my church? Not as long as Sister Shivers. I'll tell you, she, you think she's a woman of God? She keeps me in check. Thank God for a godly woman. I said, thank God for a godly woman. I pastor predominantly Spanish-speaking people in our congregation, many of which are not in this country legally. It's just the matter of fact. It's the way it is. So we, we were, as we were getting ready to enter into this election season, I would have so many of them come to me and say, Pastor, what, what do we got to do? Because if, if this guy gets elected, this happens. And, you know, I'm just hearing all of us said, won't you just, I, and forgive me, I, I'm blunt with my people. I would not do this to you. But I said, shut up. Who do you think's in charge? Who do you think's in charge? God raises up kings. God lowers king. What you need to do is get on your knee and say, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I said, you better pray and say, Father, thy will be done. Father, thy will be done. I began to pray. I said, Father, 
Listen to me, the United States of America sends out more missionaries than any other country in the world. We provide more finances for revival than any other country in the world. If you take away the United States of America, who's going to finance revival? Who's going to send out missionaries? God, give us four more years. God, give us eight more years. Let us win more souls. Let us continue to preach the gospel. Don't let anything hinder what you've been doing for the church of Jesus Christ because our greatest days are before for us. The greatest revival has yet to happen in Union City Apostolic Church. There's a city here that needs Jesus Christ. There are people here that are still lost and need God. You got to know who you are and you got to know the provision that Christ has given you. But if you're going to break a stronghold in your life, you got to repent. That's a word we've forgotten about in the church. I, you're going to have to forgive me. I grew up Southern Baptist. I didn't get the Holy Ghost until I was 19 years of age at a church called Life Tabernacle in Houston, Texas, pastored by a man by the name of James Kilgore. I didn't raise in this. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. My two uncles were Baptist pastors. I grew up Southern Baptist, John 3:16. Romans 10, 9, and 10. I mean, I, 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 that was it. But God filled me with the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night in a revival preached by a man by the name of Lee Stone King, and God filled me with the Spirit. And at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, Brother Kilgore baptized me in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. But let me tell you, it took me six months, hear me, six months to get the Holy Ghost. I, I was getting mad. I was getting angry because those Sunday night altar services and the Life Tabernacle were revolutionary. They, they, they were the things that people talked about. And I would go down to the altar and everybody else put their hands up in the air. They'd start speaking like Chinamen and nothing was happening to me. Nothing was happening to me. And I really thought something was wrong with me because nobody would come pray for me. You know, they lay hands on everybody there. They spit in your face. They rub their hands. They massage you. They move you. And no, I'm sitting here. No, nobody's praying for me. I mean, I, I didn't know if it was my perfume, cologne, or the Hager suit I was wearing. I, I don't know. But man, I tell you, when I got it, I got it. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, He filled me with the Holy Ghost. The reason, hear me, the reason... It took so long for me to get the Holy Ghost is there needed to be some repentance take place in my life. There, there, there needed to be some times where I got on my knee before God and said, God, I need this out of my life. you got to forgive me for this. you got to forgive me for that. God, I need your forgiveness. It is something we have lost in the Pentecostal church. We don't know what it's like to repent of our sins. We don't know what it's like to walk away from sin. We excuse our behavior. Repent, repent. But he giveth more grace, where if he said, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up. I had to humble myself in the presence of a living God. 
I had to walk down to an altar and humble myself and just lay prostrate in the presence of a living God and say, Father, I am sorry for the life that I have lived. Forgive me. I turn from that way of living. I turn from that mindset, and I need you in my life. And when I did that, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I got so drunk in the spirit, they had to carry me to the car. I thought that was normal. I would go back. I wanted a double portion of that. So I would go back every Sunday, and I would want to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. I needed it. I wanted it. I had to have it. This was the greatest high I had ever had in my life. This beat alcohol. This beat marijuana. This beat cocaine. This was the Holy Ghost. And I felt so clean, and I felt so pure, and I felt so righteous in the presence of a holy God. Finally, five minutes, I'm closing. If the musician starts playing, it helps me. If my wife says I like to be long-winded, forgive me, honey. She's the only one that's honest with me. I'll preach, I'll go home. I said, how did I do? She said, you missed it. Pray harder. <laughs> but when I hit a home run, she'll say, you're doing better. Yeah, bless you, please. She has to live with me. Number four, you got to resist the devil. you got to resist the devil. Let me tell you, this is something that we have, we have failed to do as a church to teach our people that you got to resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? Well, you do it the same way Jesus did, with the word. Here, this is personal conviction, personal conviction. It, it, this is not Bible, this is me. We've stopped carrying this. And we start seeing more problems in our church. I'm not for, I love iPhones, I love iPads, all that good stuff. But our people don't know the word anymore. They don't know the word anymore. Every time the devil came to tempt Jesus, he used the word. Get thee behind me, Satan, thus it is written. Get thee behind me, Satan, thus it is written. Get thee behind me, Satan, thus it is written. This is your friend right here. This is a life that you're holding on. This answers every problem of life. This will fix a marriage. This will fix an addiction. This will fix a stronghold in your life. But you've got to know the word. If you don't know the word, the enemy can hurt you. The enemy can steal from you and rob every victory God died at Calvary to give you. That's why you have to know the Word. You have to know the Word. The Word has got to be hidden in your heart. And when you know the Word, when you know the Word, God will use that Word as a seed in your spirit to overcome every temptation of the enemy. No matter what the devil's bringing you, you can roll your shoulders back and say, enemy, you don't know who I am. I'm a child of God. Thus it is written, thus it is said. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Know your word and your spirit.
So when that temptation comes, when that devil comes, when those strongholds of anger and jealousy try to wrap themselves in you, you quote the word. Because when you speak the word, all power of heaven's in that word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. When you speak the word, you're speaking life. You're speaking hope. You're speaking power. You're speaking authority. It's all in the word. Stand to your feet. So I conclude with where we begin. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold, casting down imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Show me your thought processes. I will show you your life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need a fresh baptism, not of God's spirit, but we need a fresh baptism of the mind. We need a change of direction in our mind. We need to start pulling down the strongholds of anger, the strongholds of fear, the strongholds of doubt, the strongholds of confusion, the strongholds of jealousy, the strongholds of resentment, the strongholds of bitterness. We need to pull down the strongholds of alcoholism, of drug addiction, of immorality, of fornication, of all types of lasciviousness. We got to pull them down. We got to pull them down. And how do we do that? Through the power of the living word in your life. Pray with me, Father. We come humbly to the throne of grace on this Sunday afternoon. And Father, I pray that the power of your word would resonate in the spirit of your children today. That they would come to recognize that without you they can do nothing. But with you all things are possible to them that believe. Speak to the minds of your children today. Speak to the hearts of your children this afternoon. We will give you praise, glory, and honor. In the name of the Lord we ask. Amen. If you are here this afternoon and you are struggling, hear me very carefully. If you are struggling in your mind, if you are battling in your mind, you're battling with things of flesh, of things of doubt, of fear, of jealousy, of resentment, all of these battles that are in your mind and you want victory. I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come to an altar of God and say, Father, here I am. I come humbly to the throne of grace. I bow my knees in your presence, oh God, and I ask you first to forgive me and to cleanse me and to wash me, Father, in the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask that you purify my thoughts right now. Wash me in your blood, oh Father. Wash me in your blood. Wash me in your blood that my mind would be purified. And then help me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Help me, oh God, to begin to live a life according to your word, according to your will, and according to your way. Help me, God. Pray right now. Seek him right now.
That's it. That's it. Talk to him right now. Cry out before God. Yes. And deliver. Ha. That's what he said. All your shame. All that guilt. That's it, sister. That's it. I'm not the same person I was. I've been changed. I've been changed. No, I'm not perfect. But I serve a perfect God. Hallelujah. That's it. Changed. 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 Huh? In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. I've been changed. I've been changed. I've been changed. You're a child of the king. 